Hello and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. We are on episode 1918, so the 18th episode in 2019. We have about 50 or so episodes out there, so feel free to listen to them, catch up on some topics as it deals with women's football. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington, and my disclaimer is that I am an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, but I am also co-owner of a women's football team, the Dallas Elite, that plays in the WFA, Women's Football Alliance. Again, my disclaimer is that I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. If you have any issues with regards to your business, please seek out an attorney in your jurisdiction that has expertise in your area of law. All the information that I provide on the website, digital, print material, radio show, blog, etc., is all business information. None of it is legal advice. Therefore, we are not creating an attorney-client relationship. Any questions on that? I'm good to go. Okay. I'm going to go through a couple things today. So my phone is lighting up. Anyway, um, keep hearing those. I'm sorry about that, but um, trying to get this episode out as soon as possible. So I'm going to start with week six information. So we're about halfway, almost halfway through the season. And then I'm going to start with my three-part series. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go to the basics. I'm getting, by the end of the year, I would like for everybody to have all of the concepts so that they're ready to rock and roll on the next year, okay? My issue with this is, I, I and I struggle back and forth, is giving out business information to people that are going to be or are my competitors. So I don't, I'm going to keep this information very close. I'm providing very basic information on the radio show so that people understand women's football, the value of it, the significance of it, the importance of it, and why it, by using these concepts, you can be very successful in women's football. There are some teams out there that don't care to be successful in women's football. They just want to play women's football. That's fine, but you still need to know the concepts and you still need to get on board with providing a product that looks good for women's football. You can do it without making a profit if you want. That's fine. But the rest of us that do want to make a profit do find women's football to be very successful and lucrative. Need all of the teams to understand these concepts. So I'm going to delve deep into some basic business concepts that all of the teams should know. If you don't know these, consider this a free class on this concept. Okay? I spent a lot, a lot of money, a lot of money on my education. And I am passing this information on to you guys, almost like a a street MBA. You're getting the information from the school without having to go to school, okay? So I took on all the the bills of, of my education 
And I'm passing this information on to you guys to use in women's football. So the three-part series, I'm going to talk about business structure, the legal structure of your business this week. I'm hoping to get through it in one hour session because I'm going to do the week six scores and then I'm going to do my presentation. But it may take a second episode, so it might turn into a four-episode series, but I'm trying to get it done in three episodes. I want to go deep into business legal structures because two reasons. I've gotten several questions just this year about what kind of, how I structured my business, why I structured it that way, or uh, the other question is, I picked this, but I don't know why I picked this. So there are teams out there that were told, oh, you need to set up a whatever. That's how your business should be run. They don't know why. And probably the people that told them that don't know why they said that. But with that being said, we're going to get deep into it. You guys listen to these radio shows in the car on the way to work, on the way home, during lunch hour, and it does not get into your time. I'm putting together a complete course of this, but I want you guys to understand the basic concepts um, out here on the radio show, okay? So let's get started. Week six in the WFA. So this was Saturday. So we didn't have a good day, but I'm going to go through all the, the scores and then talk to you about what happened with us. You can hear the bird outside my office. Yep, there we go. Um, so real quick, we're going to go, wow, the New York Wolves went to the Baltimore Nighthawks and beat them 7-2. to two. Connecticut Hawks, 0, went to the Philly Phantoms and were beat 12-0. to zero. Pittsburgh Passion beat the Cleveland Fusion 40-0 to zip in Cleveland. Shout out, Ohio. Columbus Comets beat the Cincinnati Sizzle 54-6. Minnesota Vixen, 50 to Wisconsin Dragons, zero. So they went to Wisconsin and whooped some butt. Toledo Rain went to Detroit, just a hop, skip, and a jump from Toledo. But they were beat 47 to zero on Detroit's home turf. I got the Derby City Dynamite that upset the South Carolina Smash. 48 to 12 misfits 48 to Arkansas zero so the miss the music city misfits from Tennessee went to Arkansas Little Rock and beat them 48 to zip the Daytona wave runners went to Jacksonville Dixie Blues and beat them 32 to 12 interesting that a lot of the away teams won this uh, this week but I'm not done yet. So um, the Miami Fury went to the Orlando Anarchy and were beat um, 36 to 26. St. Louis Slam beat the Kansas City Titans 28 to 13 in Kansas City. The Grand Rapid Tidal Waves went to Capital City Savage and were stopped 26 to 12. Looks like a good game between the Mississippi Panthers and the Mississippi Royalty. Mississippi Royalty came out on top at home, 22-20. to 20. The Tulsa Threat beat the Acadiana Zydeco at Acadiana, 17-6. to 6. 
and then it switched. Well, the Dallas Elite, my team, lost to the Arlington Impact 34-7. to That was a rough game, rough game for sure. We're getting ready to head to Austin this week. Um, Oakland Hawks pulled it off at home against the Tacoma Trauma 13 to 8. Same thing with the Portland Shockwave. They hosted the Seattle Spartans and beat them 56 to 6. The Mile High Blaze uh, met up again with the Rocky Mountain Thundercats. So Colorado Springs to Denver. That's not a bad trip at all. But the Blaze beat them 40 to zip. Las Cruces de la Muerte want the Rio Grande Heat in, I guess, Albuquerque or Santa Fe. I'm not sure which one. 70 to zip. The now Sin City Trojans did really good last week, but they were beat in Cali at Cali War 44 to zip. Kern, Kern County Crusaders beat the Ventura Wolfpack 14 to zero. And then, let's see, sorry, my phone is just lighting up today. Um, the Inland Empire Ravens hosted the Eastern Sierra Mustangs and beat them 28-6. to Maine Mayhem hosted the New York Knockouts and beat them 46-0. to And then there was a forfeit. The Knoxville Lightning won the forfeit. They were supposed to go to the Tennessee Diamondbacks, and that was the forfeit. So let me go back up here. I just want to look. I like to see the numbers because the WFA is the biggest, best league in women's football. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. So 24 games were supposed to happen, and 23 did. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think that's pretty good odds there. Um, I think everybody has done a great job of making sure that they are ready, willing, and able to play the games that they have signed up for. So shout out to the WFA. Um, once again, I did this last week, but if I have people listening that um, went to a women's football game, you've fallen in love with it, you want to see if there's a team in your area, um, go to WFAProFootball.com. Join the WFA, and it has some details about um, what is required, and um, you can fill out an application. There's some things that the, the league requires um, of the stadiums, uh, of your team, etc., how you're going to be doing business. So check it out. Um, we're looking for a few more teams for the 2020 season, and um, we're going to get that all rocking and rolling. My goodness. We are just, yeah, okay, let me do this. Okay, so real quick, so I'm going to talk to you about business legal structures, what they mean for you in women's football, okay? Um, so consider this just kind of like a free class. You didn't have to go to your bachelor's degree business um, school to get this information. A lot of this information is available online. Um, so before you structure your business, take the time to do some research, right? If you're a new team coming up now, if you're an old team, 
if you're an old team and you've structured your business in a certain way and after looking at this or you know after doing your research online you've decided whoa i got in over my head this is not the, the type of business i want to be running then look at ways to change it it can be fixed it can be changed so um with that being said before I get further into here, I also have a resource. If you go to supersmallbiz.com, which is part of my consulting area, there is a post in there that has every single state in the United States, how to start a business in that state. Whether it's a resource, whether it's a checklist, whether it's a, a guide, um, you can look at all the different states and see what they have. There are some states that even if it's not your state, look at some of the resources. I'll, I'll share with you um, next time which ones I think are just excellent resources for businesses in general, okay? Um, with that being said, let's get started. So that resource is at supersmallbiz.com and that, just pick your state. I wanna share with you a couple things because when you talk about a business structure, a legal, it's the legal structure of the business, it, it contains several components. It's not just about what type of business it is, a for-profit or non-profit or whatever. There are several components that go into why you pick what you pick as your legal structure. Some of it has to do with liability some of it has to do with paperwork. Some of it has to do with taxes. Some of it has to do with ownership. Um, but ultimately, it's based on what you want for your organization. And I want to stress real quick, I want to kind of do a star note. Please note, some teams are going out on the web, on the internet web, and legal Zoom. Uh, what is it, legal docs or something like that, law docs, law depot, whatever. And they're getting these documents and they're setting up their legal structures based on that. I caution you, they are great formats, but you have to know which questions to ask. So real quick before I get into detail, I'm going to explain a scenario to you that can cause big problems and why you should either research this or ask some questions of an attorney in your area, okay? For example, you go on to one of these internet sites and you're setting up a LLC or a corporation, right? It asks you a question, are you gonna be member managed or manager managed? A lot of people think, well, I'm gonna manage the business. She's gonna manage the business, so we are gonna be manager managed, right? Sounds good, seems correct. Big no-no, if that's not what you want. Because what manager managed means is that you are gonna go out and get a management company to come in and manage the business and you are going to be like a board member, part of, part of the members. You're a member, but you're not a manager. 
I see this happen all the time just because of the wording. Just that one difference in a word from member managed to manager managed can cause you big, big problems. Why? Because now you're giving all the control to somebody else to manage, which is fine. If that's what you want to do, then you check the box that says manager manage. But if that's not what you intend your business to be, then you're starting out all wrong. The other concepts that happen inside those documents are meetings. You are committing, if you check box, whatever, whether you're going to have one meeting a year, six meetings a year, four meetings a year. Do you know that there are consequences if you're not holding those meetings? Or if you're just one person and you're saying that there's a meeting? That's kind of a conf you know, conflict of, of terms and, and it doesn't really make sense to the government why you're having meetings with one member or one manager. So you have to have meetings with several people um, if that is in fact the way that you have constructed your business or created your business. Anyways, I just wanted to give a, an example of how it's not that you, um, it's not that it would kill you to check box the wrong box, but you have now um, submitted to some certain responsibilities. It, it, you've now said that you're going to go out and get a management company to manage this company, and then that you're going to pay that those managers to manage it. That's kind of hard in women's football because there's not a lot of money going around, right? There's a few people throwing money and wasting it, but other than that, there's really not a ton of money. So that's just an example. I don't want to get everybody nervous. I, that's one of the things that I say in, in uh, several of my discussions with people that are starting a business. Um, not to scare them, but to kind of just open the eyes, like take a breath, step back, do I know all the things that I need to know to be a business owner, right? I said it before, I'll say it again. Ignorance is not a defense. So I checkbox the, your honor, I checkbox the mark that said manager manage because I'm a manager. I didn't know it meant that. Too bad, so sad. You are responsible, you have a duty to know what you're doing if you are a business person. Okay. With that being said, now that I've scared everybody into saying, oh shit, I, I, I don't know what I checkmarked on my, on my forms that I got off the internet. And again, forms off the internet are not the, the worst things. Um, they're not the end all be all either. Um, some things take a little bit more consideration. Um, when I talk to people that say, oh, I formed my business in 10 minutes, I get concerned. Um, especially if they had no knowledge of business or I went online and I filled out the paperwork and sent it in and we're ready to go, but you don't know what you signed up for. Okay. And we'll talk about that a little bit here. Okay. So let's get started on the different business structures. And there's a, there's several of them there. I'm going to talk about the most common ones this week and hopefully get through the ones that are important to women's football. And then um, I might go back and, and go through some other ones. But we're talking about sole proprietorships, partnerships, limited liability companies, LLCs. They're not limited liability corporations. They're limited liability companies. 
And then we'll talk about corporations. There's a C Corp, there's an S Corp. And then a lot of people talk about a close corporation, a nonprofit corporation. Okay, so we're gonna talk a little bit about those and then I'll, I'll share with you how that works, okay? Okay, let me get up here to my materials. So a sole proprietorship is the easiest form of business and it gives the sole person, the owner, complete control of the business. You are automatically considered to be a sole proprietorship if you do not file or register business documents and you are doing business activities, okay? You're automatically considered a sole proprietor without filing anything, okay? Sole proprietors do not produce separate business entities. So as a sole proprietorship, the business is you. This means that your business assets and liabilities are not separate from your personal assets and liabilities. That means that you may be personal, may, may be held personally liable for any debts or obligations of the business. It's all you. Sole proprietors um, can get a trade name, but typically it's it's them. It's Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington would be my sole proprietorship, or I could do Liberty Ellington. Or as a trade name, I could do Liberty Ellington Enterprises, something like that. As a sole proprietor, um, it is hard to raise money. Harder, I should say. It is harder to raise money. Um, one, you cannot sell stock. And banks are typically hesitant to lend money to individual owners uh, um, because typically a sole proprietor is a new or novice business owner. However, sole proprietors, uh, it can be a good choice for a low risk business. Or if an owner wants to go and test an idea, test what they're doing in business before they go out and um, create this other stuff. Because once you get into partnerships and LLCs and limited liabilities, uh, companies and S Corp, C Corp, etc. There's initial money that has to be put up just to even establish. Um, I know in Arkansas it, it costs, I think it's 55 or so, but then you take on the responsibility of paying every month $250, whatever it is. Okay? Or every year, sorry, every year $250. So a sole proprietorship is going to be a low-risk business. And I like to share some examples when I'm talking on this concept because the owner takes on, like I said, full responsibility of debts and liabilities. So I started my first business a long time ago when I was about 18 as a cleaning business. I set it up as a sole proprietorship, got business cards. I actually was profitable before I even got 
uh, my business license because in New Mexico, even a sole proprietor needed to have a business license, but I didn't have one yet. I already had clients before I even got it. Um, it was very lucrative business, but hindsight being 2020, it was the worst business legal structure I could have as a cleaning business. And let's talk about this real quick. Again, sole proprietorships are really good for low risk businesses, right? House cleaning, you, you think, oh, I just clean their house, not a big deal. It's not very risky. It's very risky. Let's talk about some scenarios that could have cost me a lot of money if they had happened. I've talked about it before. What if one of my cleaning employees or subcontractors poured bleach on the carpet in the living room and we had to replace all the carpet? What if um, uh, one of my employees had driven her vehicle into the garage door of a customer? Big money. Could have been huge, right? You don't think about it. You just think, oh, sweeping, mopping, whatever, dusting. Uh, but it could have been very serious. Um, and later on, when I established new, new cleaning businesses, um, I did change and set them up as a LLC, limited liability company. But um, some examples of low-risk businesses, I think of an Etsy shop. A craft shop. Um, I think of maybe eBay selling things like that. Um, and I and there's kind of a a gray line there because nobody's going to be injured, nobody's going to get killed or anything ruined by your charm bracelets or whatever you sell on Etsy, right? However, if you are then getting into wedding type stuff. I would caution you about sole proprietorship as well because brides are, you know, you have a bridezilla and you didn't get your order there on time and it ruins something. You could be liable for some portion. You wouldn't be liable for the whole wedding, but you could be liable for a portion of the stuff that you did not get to them on time because it was a one-time thing for their wedding. Okay. That's an example. Um, a lot of times you'll see lawn mowing companies and stuff like that as sole proprietorships. I get that they're trying to um, just test the waters or see how profitable it's going to be, but that's a high risk as well. I mean, what if one of those lawn mowers flips over and and kills somebody or hurts, you know, one of the people that's riding the mower or whatever? Um, it could be very dangerous. So. That's the idea for a sole proprietorship. So real quick, I just want to share with you, just to go over really quick. So for a sole proprietorship, remember, there's very few requirements for creating it. Um, typically, you don't even have to file anything. Um, some states have that they want you to file it, or like if you live in a subdivision and you're a home-based business, then there may be some requirements for you to fill out some paperwork. Um, as far as governmental regulations or anything, there's not much for a sole proprietorship, except for just filing your taxes. And, and as a sole proprietor, you would file your taxes um, as a doing DBA, Schedule C business, if you, you, know, if you want. Um, it, it goes on your individual taxes. You don't make a separate tax form like other some other business forms, okay? 
Um, typically, the, the sole proprietorship is one person. One person is the owner. They can have other employees and managers. Um, ownership is transferred in a sole proprietorship by the sale of the business. Inheritance by the uh, children or spouses or whatever. Or any other lawful means such as a contract, okay? Um, the sole proprietor is responsible for all the management. The sole proprietor is responsible for all the profits and losses. Um, funding. Taxes. Everything. What happens if a sole proprietor does not pay a bill? So let's say, I don't know, you, you own a lawn mowing company and you purchase this lawnmower on a lease for five years and you stop doing the lawn business. You still, as an individual, a sole proprietor, are responsible for continuing the payments and paying off those bills out of your own money. So they can sue you and make you sell some piece of property that you have whether it's real or real property or personal property to get them their money. They can also, in this case, if it were the lawnmower, they could repo, repossess the lawnmower and get it back, okay? Let's talk real quick about partnerships. Um, I have always been told from hundreds of years ago the worst kind of business is a partnership. And that can and cannot be true. It, it, it can work out to be really, really bad. Uh, my, Both of my grandfathers were business owners. My mom's been a business owner. My dad's been a business owner. Um, the idea of a partnership can get complicated. And there are different types of partnerships as well. I'm going to get into the basics. Um, I would think that in women's football, we may, out of the 65 teams in the WFA, I bet we have five partnerships. Now, you can have an LLC and it be a partnership. Does that make sense? It can be an LLC and a partnership. But let's talk the basics of partnership. Partnerships are the simplest structure for two or more people to own a business together. There are two common kinds of partnerships, but there are about five other kinds. So partnerships, people talk about general partnership, limited partnership, but there's also a limited liability partnership. There's a limited liability, limited partnership. It can get crazy. Limited partnerships have only one general partner with unlimited liability and then other partners that have limited liability. So I hope I said that right because a lot of these words sound the same. Limited partnerships have only one general partner with unlimited liability. And all the other partners would have limited, okay? So in a general partnership, if you have five people in a general partnership, all of them are jointly and severally liable, which means they are together divided out liable, but each one individually can be responsible for everything. 
limited partnerships allow for some of the partners to be less liable or less responsible for certain things. The partner that has limited liability tends to have limited control over the company and is typically documented in like a, a partnership agreement of some sort, if it's whether it's a general partnership or a limited partnership. In a partnership, let me say this again because it's super important. All of the owners in a general partnership are jointly and severally liable, which means together and alone, together and alone, responsible for everything in the partnership. So you have five partners and one goes and buys an airplane for the business and you guys don't have enough money to pay for it. Who can they go after? That partner and you and all the other partners. If you have a limited partnership, that means at least one unlimited and at least one limited. Typically, there's one in a limited liability, limited partnership, sorry, limited partnership. There's one general and then multiple unlimited. What does that mean? The general is responsible for everything, but the limited partners are only responsible for what they put into it. Tax-wise, it's a little more complicated too. That requires a Schedule K. But profits are passed through to personal tax returns. Right? So... The two, so let's say that we have a general partnership just for basics, and we have five different partners. Then what would happen is, depending on what the partnership agreement says, let's just for uh, time's sake, we're going to have five partners, and each one is is response was twenty percent, twenty percent, twenty percent revenue, and twenty percent liability. Now that in the partnership agreement, it can be different. You can have 20% revenue and only 5% liability or whatever, but typically it is divided out equally. But so that's what we're going to deal with today. We got five partners, each has 20% liability and 20% revenue. For profit's sake, all of the profits pass through on their personal tax returns. So let's say each one, $1,000, 1000 1000 1000 1000 right? Whether they get that $1,000 as income or not, they are still liable for it. So in a company, let's say a company makes, uh, I don't know, $5 million. Each one is responsible for paying tax on $1 million, even if that $1 million stayed in the business and was not distributed to them. I hope that makes sense. So the big things there is you're going to pay taxes on money even if you don't get it. And two... Whatever your partners do, you're going to be responsible for. So you want to make sure that your partnership agreement is really, really good. But, and you can get, we all know you can get these online. However, you need to know what you are signing and committing to. Because your partnership agreement will be what they go back and look at when you have a problem. Okay? Real quick, let me get a sip of my drink. Okay. 
I'm going to kind of sum up partnerships. Partnerships can be, I mean, you see a variety of things. Law offices are usually partnerships. They're usually LLLPs, limited liability, limited partnerships, or LLPs, limited liability partnerships. Um, typically in a partnership, if it's a general partnership, each of the people takes on some responsibilities of the management and business operations. Now, they can be divided up differently or unequally, even if you're getting equal parts of the profit and liability, okay? So, for example, one person may be the HR, it has to do anything in HR. Another one might be all publicity. Another one might be community involvement, whatever, but um, they can have different amounts of responsibility when it comes to that. Limited, or limited partners, the, the general can do whatever, but the limited partner has a limit on what they can do management and operation-wise on a day-to-day -day basis. And this trips people up when, they, when you're talking about the law and legal stuff. Again, this isn't legal advice. This is just a basic concept to let you understand it. And it's on the web, it's on the internet everywhere. Okay, so if you set up a limited liability partnership, one person is the general and five are the limited, right? Let's just, let's just do four so we can still have five. One is the general and four are the limited, but one of the limited takes on all the responsibilities of the general. So sometimes people are trying to skew the system, trying to, you know, make it look like one thing, but it's really another thing. That limited partner, if the court finds it fit that he is acting as a general partner, even though he's named as a limited partner, can get in trouble and be responsible as a general partner. Okay, so this is serious stuff. I mean, you just don't, you can't just pick a form and think that it's going to be good. These can have these choices that you make at the beginning of your business can have serious consequences on your organization. Okay. Okay. Limited liability companies, and a lot of people think of these as the go-to, and I'll tell you why. Um, but Again, star, please note, or a caveat, whatever you want to say. Don't just pick a limited liability company because all of your friends did or all the other people you know have limited liability companies around town. Because it has to do with the type of business you're dealing with. So a limited liability company lets you take advantage of the benefits of both a corporation and a partnership. So as an LLC, it's limiting your liability. It protects your personal liability. It protects your personal assets, your vehicle, your home, your savings account. Those will not be at risk in the case that your LLC closes or goes bankrupt or your LLC um, 
is in the midst of a lawsuit or something, right? It'll just deal with the LLC. Now, again, another caveat, star, exclamation point, whatever. If you are working or if you've set your business up as an LLC, but you're conducting business as a sole proprietor or a partnership, this can make a difference. If you're conducting it as an individual, but you have it set up as an LLC, and the, and the courts can prove that, then they may be able to get to your vehicle or your house or your savings account. Serious stuff, guys. So make sure that you're doing business the way you want to and the way you should be. With an LLC, the profits and losses um, can get passed through to your personal income without facing any corporate taxes. However, members of the LLC are considered self-employed and must pay, must pay the self-employment tax. Uh, that would be the Medicare and Social Security, right? So if I own a business that's an LLC, I am still responsible for self-employment tax for Medicare and Social Security on my own. It's not that I get away with not having to pay it. Usually if you're an employee of another business, then the employer either pays all or a portion of these things. Sorry, I had to get another drink of my Diet Pepsi because my throat is going sore. Um, I do a lot of talking, a lot of speaking <laughs> into the computer, whatever, speaking engagements, and now my throat, it's Tuesday, and I'm already getting a sore throat. But anyway, probably because I was screaming so much on Saturday at our game. Ugh, it was terrible. But all the girls did a very good job. Anyway, let's get back to this. In some states, I'm, I'm trying to think through all of them. It's very few states that an LLC has a limited lifespan. Um, you can close it at any time. Um, and there's only certain situations where um, it only lives for a certain amount. Of time. So, for example, when the member joins an LLC or moves to another LLC, some states require that the LLC be dissolved or reformed with new partnership. So if you say you say you created the LLC with five people and now you're adding two, some states require you to close the one with five and open it with seven, but other states just have you add seven. Does that make sense? So again, I cannot reiterate this enough your friends have an LLC doesn't mean you're supposed to have an LLC. You need to check and make sure it meets your requirements. Are you wanting this to go on forever, even if you pass away? Then what structure would you need to be in? Those are questions that you need to ask. Um, if you're on the other side where you don't want this thing to exist, if I die or I walk away, I don't want anybody to be able to use this uh, football team name, then you want to structure it a little differently. Or Put it in the documents that it's going to be that way. Okay, so do 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 do. LLCs are a good choice for a little bit more risk. 
So where we said the sole proprietor was low, low, low risk. An LLC can be a medium or an high risk business. What, it, what happens is owners with personal assets that they want to protect would choose an LLC over a sole proprietorship. So if you're a sole proprietor, one person, low risk business, right? You can still be a one person owner LLC, but what happens is you are creating a separate entity from yourself funding that business and a person that sues that business or liabilities that happen from that business only come from the business. Owners of the LLC will pay lower tax rates than if they create a business as a corporation, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Let me see. I'm not sure I'm going to have time for um, so some people will set it up as a corporation um, instead of an LLC, but an LLC is going to have lower taxes. Um, this, when I talk about this, I, ding, 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 medium to high risk. I consider women's football high risk. I don't know about you, but um, we get girls get injured. Girls go on the ambulance. Girls, I mean, it's serious. We travel a lot. Uh, we practice a lot. So each practice, you can be um, subject to an injury of some sort. Um, so I consider women's football a high-risk business. Therefore, uh, that's why so many people get the LLC. I'm going to talk real quickly about corporations because a lot of women's football teams are setting up nonprofit corporations because somebody told them to. Right. So I'm just going to go real quick through C Corp and S Corp and then nonprofit. Uh, nonprofit's not really a separate, but it's how you switch a profit corp to a nonprofit corp. Okay. So do 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 do. Okay. So the basic corporation is a C Corp, and it just stands for corporation C. Okay. Um, it's this legal entity is separate from its owner. Corporations can make a profit, not make a profit, be held liable on its own. It's a separate entity. It's taxed by itself. Corporations offer the strongest or most protection to its owners from personal liability because The people that are part of the corporation are shareholders. So only the money that they put into it is at risk. None of their personal property or real property is at risk. But the cost of forming a corporation is much higher than all the other structures. Several hundred dollars. Corporations also require more extensive record keeping uh, more operational processes, and more reporting um, to the government where they got their funds, how much of the funds they used, etc. Unlike the sole proprietor, the partnership, and the LLC, 
corporations pay income taxes on their profits. So in some cases, corporate profits are taxed twice. First, when the company makes a profit and reports it to the IRS, the, the corporation pays the taxes. And again, when the corporation sends dividends to the shareholders for their shares, the individual pays a personal tax on those dividends. So it's taxed twice. Some people don't like that. You know, some people, um, that, that, that's not what they want to do, which is fine. What, however, most women's football teams are not set up as corporations, but I wanted to touch on it because some are set up as non-profit corporations and they do, they're required to do this, okay? Corporations have a completely independent um, life from their shareholders. So whether, say for example, you have a team and each player is a shareholder, 50 shares, that person leaves and another person comes in, I can sell 100 shares. I can sell 5,000 shares. That person can still have a percentage without actually being active in the business, okay? If the shareholder leaves the company, it doesn't mean that they've sold their shares. So in order to do so, they would have to sell their shares and have those shares available to someone else. The difficulty in this in women's football is what is the value of the share? Because if you buy it for a dollar, is it worth $5? Is it worth $10? Is it worth 15 cents? It's hard to be able to tell what that share would be worth. Corporations have an advantage when it comes to raising capital um, because they raise the capital through stock sales um, or other forms of stock shares, okay? So if you've heard of a company going public or being sold on the NASDAQ, um, those are companies that want people to buy shares of stock and it's regulated, you know, you can tell the value of it. There's another kind of corporation, it's called the S-Corp. Let me just check my time real quick. Okay, just a few more minutes. The S-Corp um, is a special type of corporation. It's designed to avoid the double taxation of the C-Corp. So S-Corps allow profits and some losses to be passed through directly to the owner's personal income without ever being subject to the corporate tax. Not all states have S-Corps, but most recognize the same, you know, they recognize them for federal government uh, issues. Some states tax S-Corps on profits above a specified limit. So 55,000, uh, if you make 1,000 over, then you're taxed on that 1,000. Other states don't recognize an S-Corp. So it's very important for you to understand. Um, S-Corps must be, must file with the IRS to get an S-Corp status. It's a different process than registering for your state. So you can have a, things that you have to do for your state for an S-Corp and things that you have to do for the IRS. There's special limits on S-Corps. They can't have more than 100 shareholders and all the shareholders must be U.S. citizen. Um, so if you are planning on having international shareholders, this would not work for you. I don't see that 
um, in women's football. Um, I have not seen it yet. Um, nonprofit, um, a nonprofit corporation, it's still a corporation, either an S Corp, C Corp, right? But it is to do charity, education, religious uh, work, literary work, scientific work. Because the work benefits the public, these nonprofits can receive tax exempt status, meaning that they don't have to pay state or federal taxes on certain things. Nonprofits must uh, file with the IRS and get a tax exemption. And this is a different process. Just because you became a nonprofit of your state does not mean that you are considered a nonprofit for the IRS. Nonprofits have to follow very rigid organizational rules, similar to a C Corp. They also have to follow special rules about what they do with their profits, how they handle donations. Nonprofits, you typically hear of a 501c3. That is a reference to the section in the IRS code, 501c3. But there are 501Bs, there are 501C4s, 501C6s um, that you can designate your business to. I just wanted to finish this up. Any questions that you guys have about legal structures, you really need to get somebody, you need to ask somebody because I've had several people say, oh, I, I created my business as a nonprofit. And I say, why? And they say, I don't know. Somebody told me to. That's not a reason to set up your business as a nonprofit. If you meet these certain criteria, then you may want to set your women's football team up as a nonprofit. But only if that the questions or the answers meet the questions that you have. There's only certain reasons why you should set up a nonprofit. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I got uh, deeper into the legal structures of a sole proprietorships, uh, different types of partnerships, limited liability companies, and S-Corp, C-Corp, nonprofits. I hope you guys have a great week, and I'm going to delve a little deeper next week onto the foundations of women's football. You guys have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.